Hi, and welcome to Let's Get Clinical. Tips from the CRA Helper. Here is your host, Elizabeth Waddell. Hi, Elizabeth here, and I want to welcome you to my first podcast, not only for the CRA Helper, but my very first podcast ever. So please bear with me. (laughs) So today on episode one, I wanted to give you more detail about my background and who I am and where my experience even comes from. Well, I've been in the clinical research industry over 18 years, and as a manager, I interviewed many aspiring CRAs, so I know that we all have a different story to tell on how we got our start in the industry, how we got our foot in the door, and it's so funny because when I go to, you know, a face-to-face meeting, like an investigator meeting or a training or a kickoff meeting, or I'm at a site with a co-monitor, one of the first things we talk about with each other is, so how did you get your start as a CRA? Um, So, you know, you could have a, a whole team of clinical research associates with different pathways of how they got started in the role. So here's mine. I went to Campbell University in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, go camels. And yes, I was one of those students that changed their majors multiple times. I was one of those people. One thing that never changed, though, was the love of the medical field and wanting to be involved in medicine somehow. All through junior high and high school, I actually wanted to be an optometrist. For the longest time, that in the most of my life, that is what I wanted to be. So I'm not sure what then diverted and got me thinking about um, then next I kind of switched to pediatrics and neonatology probably my love for kids. Um, But by the time I rolled into college, I actually started as pre-pharmacy, then biology, and then a new major came out. So I was walking with two of my friends and she said, look, you know, here's this brochure. Um, There's a new major called clinical research. And I was actually really excited and just I was like, yeah, let's do it. So my two friends and I, we actually were the first three undergrads um, with the clinical uh, clinical research major at our school. And we took quite a few classes actually that went towards our master's um, in clinical research as well, because we were in with a lot of people going for their master's. But during the last part of the program, we actually had to do an internship. So I began an internship at Bayer in the compliance department, but was involved with GMPs, good manufacturing practices, rather than GCPs. And one of the directors at school said he really wanted to see me get involved on the clinical side. And little did he know that would eventually happen. So um, after graduation, I interviewed, I actually, I interviewed with Wyeth before they were acquired by Pfizer um, for a position working in the lab. And I was offered the job. But I also received a call from a recruiter regarding an in-house CRA position with a CRO, and it was going to start out as contract. So these were like two totally different directions. And, you know, I thought about it and I chose the in-house CRA position and thank God I did. So I was an in-house CRA for about a year. And there's actually so much experience you gain in that role. Um, I conducted remote visits with sites um, and then, you know, had to complete trip reports, you know, based on those visits. And I was responsible for contacting sites between visits. And then you have to document each site contact and 
Um, also, um, we performed QC of regulatory documents to make sure they were ready to be submitted to the IRB. And in those days, <laughs> in those days, we still faxed. So um, we actually would send even mass, you know, correspondence with sites, um, not only emailing, but we would send faxes out to the sites and stuff. So we did a lot of site contacts and we also um, had a hotline. So instead of sites, if they had protocol questions, any type of study questions um, that they had, they would call the hotline rather than trying to contact and track down their on-site CRA. Um, they would call the hotline and we, we each had a different schedule that we would man the hotline so and we actually had that till like 8 p.m so no one wanted that shift no I'm just kidding but um but we actually um it would go the hotline was open till 8 p.m so it was available for sites that were on the west coast but yeah so that was a way sites could call get answers to their questions you know as soon as they needed it so there was a lot of experience that I gained as an in-house CRA. So I stayed in that role for about a year before transitioning to the clinical department as a CRA too. And that started my on-site monitor and road warrior career for the next 14 years. In future episodes, I do um, have lots to share regarding the experience and knowledge that I gained during this phase of my career. So definitely more to come on that. But as a senior CRA, my manager would ask me if I ever wanted to be a lead CRA or a manager. But honestly, I was content in my role unless something became available with training, um, you know, because training and mentoring is my was my absolute passion and still is. So if anything became open in that, um, I definitely would have considered, you know, transitioning. But other than that, I was content being a senior CRA. It was, um, you know, definitely a blessing of income, definitely a, a blessing of a career. So I was fine. So, but one day, and I remember exactly where I was, I was in my backyard letting my dogs out. And I remember my manager telling me that she put me in for a managerial position that involved training new CRA. So I was like completely excited and was like, yes, 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 I'm interested. So I then interviewed for the position and thank the Lord I got it. And the rest is history. So I trained and managed CRAs for the next three years. And um, it was new CRAs coming into a 12-week program. And then also I helped CRAs that maybe were put on, um, that maybe have some performance issues that needed a little help. So we helped develop some training uh, plans for them. But other than that, I trained and managed CRAs during those three years. So I definitely, um, that's just my story. You know, there's multiple pathways that someone can take in order to get their start as a CRA. So that is something I'm definitely going to focus on. It's in my upcoming course in January called Bring Your Dream Job to Life. So in that, I'm going to review, you know, different avenues to get started. And it also is going to involve one-on-one time with each person. There's going to be five one-on-one calls, coaching calls, whatever you want it to be, is going to be um, a part of that package. And I'm going to work with each person. I want to discuss your background because everyone has their unique background, their unique skill sets to bring to the table. So I want to research the best option to get your start. I also want to help you with completing CVs um, and making sure it's in good shape to stand out in the application process. And then lastly, of course, I want to ensure that you stand out in the interview process for sure. Because while interviewing, um, I wanted to share, I used to interview a lot of aspiring CRAs as I was a manager. And one of the things, you know, when I would ask um, interview aspiring CRAs, I would ask them, you know, what do you know of the CRA role? And one of the top answers that I would get was, okay, they're the main line of communication between the site and the sponsor, and they have to make sure that sites are completing the study correctly per protocol. So sometimes I wondered, like, if they 
of course, for sure, that is a part of what a CRA does. Um, you know, it's definitely a portion, but you know, definitely there's so much more. So I sometimes I wondered based on the answers because it was really. Um, on some of the answers, they didn't really expand. I kind of wondered if they knew exactly what a CRA, you know, was responsible for. But still, that was the two top answers that I got. Again, while yes, there are things that, that, you know, those are things that a monitor does, you know, there's definitely a whole lot more. So, you know, per GCPs, in addition to ensuring compliance with the protocol, we need to make sure that not only that they're compliant with the protocol, but with GCPs, with regulatory requirements, and we need to confirm one of our two biggest obligations is to confirm subject safety and data integrity. And there's so many processes, tasks, and responsibilities that our CRA must perform in order to accomplish this. So I want, you know, again, and again, I'm not trying to sound salesy at all. I just wanted, and this will be only in my first episode, guys. I just want to be able to explain what my course is just so, you know, because sometimes when you read about it, you get a little glazed. So I just want to make sure I kind of lay it out there um, verbally too. But um, so in the course, I also want to lay that foundation regarding all things CRA. So from reviewing all types of visits a CRA performs, a step-by-step just going through everything that they perform for the different types of visits, why they're even required. But I really want to walk you through the correct quality way to do each step. For example, IP accountability. How do you ensure there are so many things? It's like one big puzzle that you confirm the IP accountability. I want to help you to do that with quality, you know, and so I, that's one of my favorite topics anyway, so I will not try to stray off too much, but um, so I definitely want to help you with each and every task, step-by-step how to do it and to do it right. Um, Also, now, of course, when you work and you get hired at a company, there's also, you know, SOPs that you have to review when you're hired at that company. So there may be company-specific things that they'll require as well, but I want to teach you, you know, based on GCPs, my experience, uh, you know, my knowledge and experience over eight, you know, 18 plus years, and also, you know, from GCP and regulation standpoint. But again, um, company SOPs may require some additional things as well. Um, But there may be other tasks that you might not even realize a CRA even performs, and we're going to review that, and, and I want you to learn that. So, and it's funny because especially you guys with a coordinating background or, you know, even a research assistant at a site, you may have already taken ICHGCP classes and have your certificate. You might be like, well, I have my city certification. I have my NIH certification. Why do I need to hear you talk about it? <laughs> I'm only kidding. But, you know, this training, when you take it again, you'll be seeing it from a CRA perspective. You're going to have that CRA hat on. Because when you took it before, say as a coordinator, you're thinking it from the coordinator mindset and how that helps you do your job as a coordinator. Well, this time we're going to look at it with a CRA perspective. So with my course coming out in January, yes, you do not have to have this in order to be a CRA. I would never want you to think that by any means. Um, So you don't have to have it in order to be one. However, having a strong foundation, though, is going to give you confidence when you interview. um, And it's going to give you knowledge to stand out against someone with a similar background. For example, you may have I could be interviewing two coordinators, they have the same education, same years in research, both have sites that maybe they have sites that have their own reg- regulatory person. So that person deals with maintaining the binder and the essential documents. And then they also may have their own data entry person. So when these coordinators are interviewed and asked about, you know, essential documentation, they may be um, asked about EDC query resolution. 
they maybe, you know, they didn't work with these things on a day-to-day basis because they had people at their site delegated to do those tasks. But with this training and this course, this can help you to answer those questions with confidence, even though you didn't deal with it on a daily basis. So I want to teach you that. I want to help you lay that foundation. And lastly, and this is the last thing, and then I'll get off my soapbox because I do not want you to think this is a sales podcast. (laughs) Um, I want to lay a foundation of quality that you can take with you wherever you go because quality is so important in this industry and drugs being approved, and it's so important to me. You know, I've always had that work ethic. That's just who I am, and it would make my heart sink when I took over a site from a senior CRA, mind you, and I'm wondering what in the world went on here. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, (laughs) what happened? Because it happens in any job, people can develop bad habits. So I want to teach you quality, how to do it right the first time, and teach you the right way from the get-go. And so then everything in addition that you're going to learn when you you get hired in your new career in your company, everything in addition that you learn is going to build on top of that foundation. So anyway, more to come in future episodes. But if you do want to learn more regarding the January course, um, you can find that information on my website. It's at thecrahelper.com. I am offering an early bird registration until January 1st, um, and that'll be a $100 discount until then. So definitely check it out. But I really do hope you guys have an amazing day. I want you to be successful. I want you to have that dream job. And if you like what you hear, you know, definitely hit subscribe. And the next episode, we're going to have fun with time management. I know you can't wait. (laughs) But anyway, have a great day. And thank you so much. Until next time.